welcome to It Starts With A Click. I'm Olivia Bossett, fashion photographer and educator, and this is a podcast for fashion photographers looking to build their business on their own terms. Hello everyone, I hope you're having a lovely day. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 10 of season 3 of It Starts With A Click. I cannot believe that I've done so many episodes and that you guys have been listening, so thank you so much. Today's episode is with Hannah Hillier, who is a fashion and beauty photographer from the UK. She's also based in LA, so she is a global fashion photographer. She is one of the loveliest people I know um, in the industry, and she is incredibly talented. In this episode, she shares so much knowledge about how to get work, agents, whether you should have one or not, what it's like moving abroad to go and shoot, all kinds of stuff that I know you're going to really, really love and really benefit from. So before we get into the episode, I just want to remind you that if you would like to learn exactly what words you need to say to pitch to brands, I have a free pitching template that you can download on my website. It is oliviabossarteducation.com. You'll find it plastered all over the website because I want it to be easy for you to find it so just head to my website you'll be able to find it in two clicks or you can literally just check the show notes of this episode and you'll be able to see a link to download it right there it's exactly the words you need to say to pitch to brand it's an email template of what I use specifically and over 400 of you have already downloaded the template as well and used it effectively so if you haven't already got that go ahead and grab that I know it's going to benefit you massively now let's jump into the episode hi Hannah hi how are you I'm good thanks how are you Good, thank you. We had to rearrange this call because my dog got attacked by wasps the other day. So thank you so much for rearranging. No worries, poor dog. It was horrible. Um, So let's just jump straight in. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you first got into photography. Hi, so um, I'm Hannah Hillier. I'm a fashion but mainly beauty photographer. Um, I'm originally from London and I started uh, my love of fashion photography I guess when I was about 13 or 14 years old and I would go and like read through my mum's robes and L's and raid the supermarket shelves to all the magazines I could find and I was just like you know cut them all open and stick all my favorite pictures on the walls and it was about that mm-hmm. time as well Emma Summerton was doing all her ID covers and I was just so obsessed with her photography and um then luckily and then I started doing like photography modules at school and then um my sixth form had a photography course so I started doing Mm -hmm. that and I you know my love of it just sort of blossomed throughout that time um And then I decided I wanted to study at uni. So Mm -hmm. I applied for the London College of Fashion, fashion photography (laughs) course. It was like a BA, but my grades were crap, so I couldn't get on. (laughs) But then I phoned up and I was like, is there any way, like, I cannot do anything? And they were like, oh, there's the fashion photography um, 
FDA, which was like only a two-year course. It wasn't a yeah. BA. It was fashion photography and styling. And they were like, oh, we think you're more creative. So you're going to be more suited to that anyway. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. So I went for that one, moved to London because uh, I was I grew up in Northampton around my teenage years. And um, yeah, and then I uh ended up after the first year I got ill and I had to leave but then I was too late so I couldn't def- I had to defer so I I was like oh what do I do with the rest of this year because I can't go to uni but I'm in London I have an apartment yeah. and so I started interning so I was interning for loads of like magazines and um different like fashion houses and stuff like that um and then I just started going freelance, like kind of trying to do some shoots on the weekends. And um, then I ended up getting an internship with Next Model Management. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was working originally there like one or two days a week. And then they offered me full time. And it was either stay there full time or go back to uni. And I was just getting way more you know knowledge and opportunity from working in the model agency (laughs) like even though I was Mm -hmm. basically everyone's assistant I was learning so much and you know they let me shoot models on the weekends and stuff like that so I decided to stay with Next instead of go back to uni and I'm so thankful I did because I learned so much um yeah so I ended up leaving Next to go freelance after about I guess a year and a half two years with them Mm -hmm. and um, I just started um, at the time most agencies were doing paid testing I don't know if they still are um, but at the time it was quite good money so I would just do like three or four girls in a day Mm-hmm. get makeup styling everything often I would style it myself and I would just like buy and return clothes from some of the high street shops and stuff like mm-hmm. that and um yeah just doing loads of testing and then I eventually I started getting you know the special bookings divisions of the uh, model agencies would let me shoot so then I then those people would want me to do album covers or PR mm-hmm. shoots and and then they ended up working with brands and they'd recommend me for that and then I slowly began I guess my freelance career from there but um yeah that's that's really amazing because it's so nice that you've just gone through literally your whole career from almost when you very first started to basically now um, for ages. And that's amazing. Um, it's really helpful for people to hear that whole flow, I think, because a lot of people ask me all the time, like, how do I go from being just me on my own to going that full time? And hearing you explain literally how you did it is really, really helpful. Um so do you think that there was a specific mindset shift you had to make or something you had to decide on when you went full time? Was there something you had to overcome mentally? Because I think that's something that a lot of people find very difficult. Oh, yeah. So basically, I'm a very cautious person. So before I went freelance, I'd wanted to go freelance for so long, but I just didn't have any money. So um, what I did was while working at the agency full time, and I started doing pay testing on the weekend. So I would Mm -hmm. save up the extra money from that. So when I went freelance, I had about three months buffer of, you know, uh, 
and obviously I lived so frugally to be able to do this. I was literally like not leaving the house, like kind of like now. <laughs> and um, I managed to save up, yeah, three months of living and mm. uh, rent expenses because otherwise I would have not, you know, I would have been more mentally, uh, you know, having problems in terms of just trying to be yeah. stable. But definitely when I went freelance, I mean, I've learned so much. I went freelance almost 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. So I've learned so much in the last 10 years. And it's a constant battle. And you just have to, it's really hard to switch off because I feel like once when you're freelance, you kind of, you're always working like in a way you're more free because you don't have set hours but in a way you're less free because it's always on your mind and unless you have like you know a full month of bookings you know uh laid out you're gonna constantly be freaking out (laughs) like you're like where's the work ah and you know especially when you start out you know I'd have month I'd have a month where I'd had nothing Mm-hmm. you know we were talking the first couple of years for a month where there was literally like one job and yeah. there'd be like two months where I would barely have a day off so you kind of have to be mentally prepare yourself for that and also to not completely worry if you've got no bookings for the month you know maybe there's a part-time thing that you could for example with model testing if I ever mm-hmm. needed some bread and butter money I would just message all the model agencies and be like hey yeah. do you want any shoots um and then you know that would tide me over you know I mean I was doing it up until a couple of years ago mm-hmm. still you know occasionally if I had a quiet month I'd go back to that because even though it was less money it was still money yeah and you know it's still enjoyable and you're still learning while you're doing it um yeah I guess but in terms of mentally adapting it is really hard you have to you know, be aware and ready for the fact that you are going to feel your emotions are going to be very up and down. And Mm -hmm. you might have an email, you know, saying that someone doesn't want you for a job, and that might really affect you. And you have to kind of uh, let that bounce off and, you know, not, not make that make your whole day bad, um, you know, and look for the positives and things and, you know, yeah I think one thing that you mentioned as well was it's it's clear to me that you really built relationships when you were in that initial stage of your career when you were trying to go full-time you were talking about you know working with the special divisions of the model agencies and and they you know then spoke to their people at the the music label and got the PR people to hire you like that is such an important tip for everyone to take away because this industry really is about people you know and who knows you and who recommends you to their yeah their boss or their their person they hear that needs a photographer so I love that you talked about that in such detail yeah I mean you're right it's it's one of those really important things you have to make sure that you know, you're in a situation where everybody could recommend you, you know, especially when you start off, you need to go. And even now I try and go above and beyond for Mm -hmm. every client. It's hard sometimes when you don't have time to accommodate certain things that clients would really want. Like for example, um, when I have a job, a lot of the time they want me to go through and pick out my favorites. So Mm -hmm. I often say, you know, this is something I'd love to help you with. But if they drop it on me last minute, rather than organize it in advance, I might not have enough time, I might be on other jobs, so I can't accommodate it. But I think at the beginning, 
definitely try and just nurture those relationships as much as you can yeah. and especially if you love the client and you love the brand you know that could be a client for life and as they yeah. grow their budgets will grow so your pockets will grow <laughs> like but um yeah I think it's yeah really important just to be nice to everybody you meet as well I mean that should be a given but you know a lot of people when they start out in fashion think that they can just be ridiculously sassy for no reason (laughs) and (laughs) and it just doesn't work because and it's you know people want to have people that they want to have on set Mm -hmm. if you're a nice energy and you're a nice vibe um you know your work is good then people are going to want you back if you if you, you know, cause a fuss on the day about something really small, they're probably not going to want you back again, you know, so you kind of have to go into shooting with the right mindset as well. Totally, 100%. That's so, so, so important. Um, You shoot a lot of beauty now. Uh, How did you get into beauty? And what is it about beauty specifically that you love? It's really funny, because originally, when I started out, I saw beauty as this huge thing that I was so scared of because Mm -hmm. I didn't really know how to retouch. And at the time, all beauty was like super, super heavily retouched. And I didn't, you know, every beauty shoot I saw had like a hundred lights and this. And I was so scared of it because at the time I had like one crappy light from Calame that just kept falling apart. And like, (laughs) you know, I thought, okay, you need a light on top, you need a light behind, you need this, you need that. And I, I was so scared by it. And... Um, I sort of managed to fall in love with it in the last few years when I realized you don't need that Mm. you just need the sun you know or you just need one light but light it well and you don't need to retouch um, that much depending on what you want but my whole aesthetic is very sort of less retouched especially my personal work Um, so you know with a tiny bit of retouching I've you know with color grading and stuff like that it it isn't this massive scary thing um it is actually really fun to play with especially to get really close up to the model and you know you see the skin you see the lashes it's something I've fallen in love with and now I find it hard to go back to shooting fashion I really want to stay in the beauty space as much as I can because Mm -hmm. I've and also alongside that in the last couple years I really discovered you know skincare and makeup for me like so I think my love of those products kind of somehow kind of all blended in together I guess I I I'm so I love shooting beauty as well but I'm definitely still more into fashion and I think the reason I'm more into fashion is that I love clothes and I love getting (laughs) choosing outfits and going shopping like I'm just obsessed with clothes myself whereas I'm not as obsessed with makeup so if you're more into makeup I can totally see how you would want to shoot more makeup and skincare whereas I'm like I just want to shoot all the clothes and all the pretty dresses (laughs) no exactly I mean and you you fashion so well and you light everything so well that those clothes look phenomenal in every shot so it's likewise to you thank you speaking of beauty um and like how you say you keep it simple what would you say is your go-to beauty lighting setup that you can share with some people who might be like you and a bit scared of beauty right now but would like to try it out so there's two different things that I normally do. I'll start off um, with the daylight. So I shoot daylight a lot and I used to find mm-hmm. daylight so hard to shoot with. But once I realized, you know, 12 p.m. is the devil. 
Like you need you need morning light or you need afternoon light. Twelve yeah. is just the lights above. It looks a mess. Like it's just not good, especially if it's sunny, unless yeah. they're lying down, for example. But yes. um, yeah, you, what you need is to either shoot, you know, eight, nine, nine thirty a.m. or you need to shoot sometime after like two thirty, three p.m. I mean, the mm-hmm. ideal is like five, six p.m. depending on time of year. If it's not dark by then. Yeah, and you get that beautiful because the lower the sun is, the more straight on the light will be on the face, almost yeah. like you know how you're shooting in studio. You normally have a light slightly above the model rather than underneath the model. That's yes. how the sun is, and it took me a while to realize that. It took me a long time, mm-hmm. but so I either love to shoot just literally with the sun, um, mm-hmm. or you know backlit sometimes with the model in front of where the sun is, and then shoot mm-hmm. them like that. Or sometimes I'll do, especially if it's too sunny, you can get these reflect. It looks like a reflector, but it's a diffusion. Yeah. So, you know, right? It's like you can get half stop, you can get full stop, mm-hmm. whatever. And then basically what you do is you put one, a diffuser, you know, and if it's beauty, you don't need a massive one. You just need a small one, yeah. you know, like a meter or so. And you put that between the sun and the model and then it is that sunlight, but it's slightly diffused and it's yeah. a bit more soft on the face. So that's sort of... I guess how and do you do you shoot your beauty outdoors so some of it yes um and then anything that I'm shooting for a campaign because I c- normally can't afford like a studio unless it's for a brand occasionally yeah. I will make that investment but it's very occasional especially yeah. um so if I'm shooting a studio then what I'll do is I'll have a massive like eight foot power or like a five foot, six foot opto or whatever they have yeah. that's, you know, big, soft. Yeah. <laughs> and then what I'll do is I'll put a beauty dish right in front of it. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. So, yeah, exactly. And I just, I love that. Um, yeah. And then I'll obviously work with, um, I don't know if you call them V flats here or polyboards. Um I've been in America too long. Yeah, Yeah, polyboards. And then (laughs) um, you put two of those, you know, and you can flip the black side or the white side. Very simple. Yeah. Um, If I want to get a hair light, you know, to pop the hair out, I'll put a light behind and sort of, you know, add some volume to the hair. Sometimes with a hair shoot, we'll have a couple lights from behind to, you know, get the top of the hair and the sides of the hair. But Mm -hmm. normally just literally beauty dish power very simple and have them from either straight straight in front of the model or to the side and then what I do is I normally get the model sitting down on a little apple box or something me sitting down on apple box because if I'm standing I'm blocking the light yeah and then I often shoot from a lower angle um so sometimes I'll flip the apple box you know on its side so that I'm lower and I'm shooting Mm. so yeah those those are the two ways that I usually shoot beauty that's so so helpful thank you so much for sharing that what lens do you like to shoot beauty with normally the 100 mil um yeah me too yeah I mean I love that lens it's so great um if I'm trying to get like a weird cool angle then I'll use my 2470 and have it mm-hmm. zoomed to the way out and then go really close and it's kind of like a fisheye vibe oh, I love um that. So sometimes I'll do that if I'm trying to be quirky. But, mm-hmm. yeah, normally the 100. Sometimes on set we've had, is it, 
I'm not that good at technology, honestly. Is it that me either? <laughs> you get it. Is it the eighty-five to two hundred or something? That's seventy to two hundred. Yes, that one. That one's yeah. really good. I uh, I don't own it, but I rent it sometimes on a job, yeah. and it's good for shooting beauty from further away. It's also good during pandemics. Yes, yes. I wish I had one now. <laughs> but the only problem with it is you can't actually get that close. So you can't do, for example, with the 100, you can do macro. No. Unless I'm using it wrong. Like I, I find I yeah. can't get too close with it. No, no, you can't. Yeah, it doesn't work on a close-up. You have to be quite far away and, and you can't step in too close. It won't, it won't focus on a macro level. Yeah, yeah, that's what I found. Um, right. Okay. Enough about tech. Um, let's chat about, oh, I know what I'm going to talk about now. We had a chat on Instagram the other day on our DMs about agents because you read one of my recent blog posts about, um, mistakes that I've made in the past. And one of the mistakes I've made in the past was thinking that I needed to have an agent to, um, further my career. And you messaged me and you agreed that, Um, we don't necessarily need agents so I wanted to ask you whether you think agents are important or not and if so if they're not why not (laughs) yeah so I totally agree with you I think that a lot of people put a bit too much focus on finding an agent rather than um, you know reaching out to more brands and stuff like that which um Mm -hmm. I think will actually benefit your career a bit more than necessarily an agent would I have a lot of friends with agents and you know they find it works really well especially I think for hair and makeup but then I have a lot of you know really really successful friends you know some that have never had an agent some that have um you know been to a couple but found that it works out better with themselves Mm -hmm. um Personally, I've had, you know, two or three in the past. And while it was a lovely experience, personally, I just prefer to be much more personal with the client, which I found um, when you have an agent, you can't really build those relationships as much as, you know, I'm used to and I enjoy doing. Um, So, yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, the, the upside to agencies is that, Sometimes they might get you some more work or sometimes they might get you a higher rate. But then the downside is, you know, most of them take 25% from the client, 25% from you, Mm. and then you have to pay tax on the bit that you're paid. So then you end up with, you know, let's say the overall figure is a thousand, you end up, you know, after they've taken their cut and after you've paid tax, you're, you're, you know, you've got maybe like 300 left, 400 left, maybe. Yeah, which is just not worth it. Yeah, especially because, you know, what I found with my first ever agent who I left as soon as I could was, um, it was just a person, it wasn't um, an agency, but that he would, you know, say that it was like, you know, a thousand, let's say, but then after Mm -hmm. I confirmed it, he was like, oh, but the makeup artist rate has to come out of your rate. But then he was taking a percentage off that. And I was like, what's happening? (laughs) Like, this is, that was not good. So I left that one. Um, But yeah, it's, um, and it's one of those things as well. I found that, you know, throughout the various agents that I had, like, I'm not going to say any specifically, but I found that I was sort of being blamed a lot for things 
that I never saw an issue with before. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it was not for me. And I don't think anybody yeah. should think that if you don't have an agent, you can't be successful. You know, I think a lot of people are with yeah. me because it's nice to have that person sort of seemingly in your corner, like, oh, I'm this level because I'm with this agent. Yeah. But that doesn't control how good you are. No, I think that for me, because I've never had an agent, and I think in my perspective, the only time I think I will ever go looking for one is when I just do not have the time anymore to be doing all the admin that goes on behind the scenes, you know, in terms of doing the bidding and then doing sending out the invoices and doing all that stuff that happens in between shoots that sometimes I do won't have the time to do at the moment I do have the time to do it and I want to be the person doing all that stuff but there might come a day where I don't want to do it anymore and I don't have the time to do it anymore in which case an agent would be very useful but I think for me that would be very much a business and a strategic decision to make but also you say that but then from my experience and with a lot of my friends experiences you still have to invoice the Mm. agent that's the thing. You think it will be yeah, a true. set up pay, payment all the way. No, you still have to invoice the agent, which I wasn't aware of before I went with yeah. one. But you still have to do all your invoices for the agent. Mm. You still have to, you know, organize your team. I know people with huge agencies yeah. that still have to book their own flights, book their own hotels, you know, organize all their assistants. Mm. So, and then it's almost kind of twice the admin sometimes I found because not only do you have to mm. you know check everything with the client you have to check everything in with the agent and you and it kind of feels like having a parent there that you always have to say this weekend I'm going here this weekend I'm doing this so I can't work this is so it's kind of almost mm. somebody in control of your whole diary and then it's like you have yeah. even less you know you spend so it's much really time interesting telling them when you're free yeah Mm, yeah no that's super super (laughs) insightful and I think it does help no it's great because it helps bust that myth that we all like it should be what we're all striving for so I think maybe 20 years ago it was the way things were but these days I just don't think they're as essential as they used to be yeah um and I've I know people who have gone with top agencies and they've been with them three years and this agent has not got them one job so you know sometimes they wow, want some, they're looking for people that have a lot of clients and they just want to keep those and I've know people who have had nightmares with agents before you know top agencies where they've bought a client to them let's say they have a really good hair client they shoot with all the time they've bought a client to them mm. and then next thing they know the client's actually messaging them like hey just so you know your agent is putting forward somebody else from your agency for this job <laughs> It's crazy. So definitely, you know, be wary, keep your eye out. (laughs) And, you know, I've been there, done that. And I know a lot of people that have. So it's it's really interesting to, you know, if I'd known all this a few years ago, I probably wouldn't have, you know, because I used to put more, you know, too much pressure on it as well, when I shouldn't have. Yeah. So if you don't have an agent, how do you go about getting your work? Because that's what everyone wants to know is how do I get work? How do I find clients? Um, Yeah, I mean, I mean, you obviously know all the right ways to do that. But um, for me personally, um, I would say I've I've tried different techniques over the years, for sure. Um, But I think what I do at the moment is just 
first of all, make sure your Instagram is on point. So let's say you're a swimwear photographer. Make sure if someone's looking at your Instagram that your like Instagram is a full portfolio of you know mm-hmm. your best work within a short scroll. You know because you need to catch people in those first you know two to three rows to be able to scroll down more if if you generally do swimwear and then for some reason you did a hair shoot recently and that's at the top you know try and blend it in together so that you've always got strong work there and you know the same for your website make sure that those two instruments are always on point and then I would say slide in the dm slide in the dm of all the brands that you love you know what (laughs) I do sometimes is let's say a swimwear brand for example you're trying to find more swimwear clients. Often swimwear brands will follow other swimwear clients. So go through who they follow, mm-hmm. see any cool brands there, see any especially that are in your area or areas that you are nearby to, um, mm-hmm. you know, within the same country. Like one point I accidentally was sliding in the DM of loads of brands in Australia. Then I was like, wait, <laughs> like, yeah. this isn't going to work out. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, so, um, yeah. And then, yeah, just go through, I guess, and, you know, find loads of brands, slide in the DM, sometimes, you know, like a bunch of their pictures or comment on one of their pictures because, you know, your DM might be going to the trash folder or Instagram or whatever. So make sure you comment and be like, hey, just slid you a DM. I'm a photographer. I love your brand. I'd love to shoot with you. And just don't be embarrassed. A lot of my friends are too nervous to slide in anyone's DM, but you have to just, you know, the great thing about hiding behind a computer is just that like you don't have to be embarrassed because it's just a message um you know and some you know I've you know let's say two years ago I started really wanting to do beauty and I was just sliding in all these different makeup brands dms Mm -hmm. and you know probably a hundred ignored me but then five didn't ignore me and those are now huge long-term clients who I have multiple jobs a year with I'd say about 90% of my jobs are actually done from literally just sliding in DMs. That's amazing. And knowing that my my Instagram is reflective of something that could work for their brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and especially if, you, if you're first starting or if you're, you know, in the middle sort of period, you know, maybe you're not first starting, but you're somewhere in between. Go for brands, you know, don't necessarily hit up the top, top brands just yet. Maybe wait until your work is slightly bit better down the line to do that. But, um, you know, some smaller brands, some indie brands, um, you know, and don't be sad if no one replies. You know, if you just send 10 messages and get no replies, you know, you have to really be going in the hundreds, but just make sure you don't do like a hundred a day because you'll probably get banned from Instagram. Yes. Um, <laughs> but that's literally, I mean, that's how I get all of my work. I mean, sometimes I'll send an email, but brands, you know, Rimmel, for example, they don't have, you know, their email address for photographers on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd just say, yeah. And then also, so, you know what? I'll talk about the other thing when you talk about the LA thing. Okay, well, um, I was just about to ask you that now. So (laughs) let's talk about LA because you moved from London to LA for your career. Why did you choose LA? So I was invited to this magazine party for a magazine that I shot an editorial for in the UK. It was having the launch in LA, but it was a huge mansion and stuff. And I was like, wow, like I need to go to this party. So I saved up, um, took my friend with me and we both went to this um because she did the makeup on the shoot so Mm -hmm. she really wanted to go as well um so yeah we were like let's fly to LA go to this magazine party and then you know we spent the whole time 
going to different restaurants, going to the Hollywood sign, going to the beach. Mm -hmm. I took some photos of my friend uh, that I traveled with, you know, for her Instagram and stuff Mm -hmm. and just really started to love LA. Um, And then I... Sorry, I'm trying to think of parts of the story that I can tell. Um, And then I was... I found some more friends out there um, that I, you know, models that I had shot in the UK were out there in LA. Mm-hmm. So we hung out and we all took pictures and stuff of each other and, you know, had a great time and, you know, did lots of cool stuff for Instagram. And mm-hmm. I just met loads of people, met loads of makeup artists and stuff at parties and stuff like that. Um So yeah, it was great. And then I went back a couple more times, um, you know, had, uh, met some more people in the industry and stuff like that, um, which was really, really fun. And um, eventually I had a couple of brands, you know, from LA follow me just mm-hmm. because so many models had started following me from LA. Yeah. So I um, ended up having some brands wanting to shoot and stuff with me. So then I ended up managing to get my visa for working in LA. Mm-hmm. And that I'm on my second visa now, so that was like four years ago. So, yeah, as soon as I got to L.A., did some stuff, work for those brands, and then, um, you know, met up with all the L.A. model agencies. Mm-hmm. And and then I just started shooting loads of the models in L.A. Um, and then once, um, you know, you're, once you're shooting all the models in a certain city, yeah. brands in that city who shoot with those models then see your work makeup artists see your work so I think moving to a new city whether it's in the UK whether it's wherever I think the key thing to do is reach out to all the model agencies yeah find makeup and hair and get recommendations from everyone you know put work with as many of them as you can so that your work is on as many other people's Instagrams as you can and then brands will start to see your work and I think it just kind of comes from there and also pay attention to who follows you yeah um you know I went through my Instagram list you know and was like oh this person follows me oh this brand and you know if you dm the brands that already follow you or you know there might be a person that said they work at Sephora or Ulta or whoever and you know you're like wow this person's this art director let me actually message them and you know they've obviously seen my work but then they've probably forgotten about me so let me chase up this relationship you know um and then also again art directors follow other art directors Mm -hmm. and you know you kind of create a circle like that but LA I moved to eventually obviously after a couple of years I moved to there and I moved there because there were so many clients there. There was more money there. Mm. Uh, the lifestyle was great, you know, sunny all the time. Um, and it just really suited my style of work. I was just getting so many jobs there. Yeah. Um, I've since moved back to the UK because of coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it was just, you know, the numbers out there are just so high at the yeah. moment that it just became too dangerous. And there were still shoots happening and there were medics on set and, you know, everyone's in full PPE. But, you yeah. know, because of the ban, my boyfriend who, you know, couldn't get out on an Esther yeah. and stuff, so I didn't see him for six months. So... Right now, I'm back in the UK. I don't know where the future will take me, but I had a great time in LA, and I would recommend it to 
anybody after coronavirus. Yeah, once coronavirus <laughs> is gone, then we can all start traveling. <laughs> I, honestly, that's what I can't wait. I've just moved up to just outside London. And for the first time in 10 years, I'm 40 minutes away from Heathrow Airport. And I'm like, oh, oh my, my God. God, the possibilities of the places I could go. But I can't right now because we're not allowed. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's so sad. Oh, what's your new place like, though? Are you loving it? Yeah, no, we're so lucky. And the house that we've moved into is really nice. And we've got a lot of natural light. And downstairs in like the kitchen, I'm going to be able to build a whole mini studio. Like I'll put it up and down because I just have backdrops and and things that I put up and down. But it's going to be a really great space for me to shoot in the winter when I can't shoot on location quite as much. And we're super close to nature here, which is super great because I primarily shoot on location in natural environments. So it was really important to me to still be able to access nature, but I'm still only 40 minutes away from central London. So I'm basically in the best of both worlds right now. Yeah, you're literally like right in the perfect spot because yeah. <laughs> especially because yeah oh my god that's perfect yeah so if you could give the people listening one piece of advice what would it be um I would say make educated risks mm. um because you know a lot of the time when you're freelance it can be scary to take any risks at all yeah and then you also just don't want to take loads of risks because <laughs> it's just <laughs> probably not going to work out. But if you can take good educated risks, um, you know, weigh up the pros and cons of, for example, uh, you know, like you said, like moving somewhere mm. for a job or, um, you know, maybe leave you know especially when you go freelance whether to leave that safety blanket to throw yourself in it full time Mm. you know what are the risks you know making you know having a bit of savings or Mm -hmm. um you know doing that kind of thing I would say that that's you know a really important thing to do and you know I've had so many jobs in the past for example a lot of the jobs I was having in LA in the first few years of my visa were you know the amount of money I was earning was only slightly more mm-hmm. than I the flights and the hotels were actually costing me. Yeah. But I think, you know, you can't look at it dead on as money. You have to look at it as down the line yeah. will this pay off. You know, if I, exactly. Like if you think, oh, I'm going to LA for $200, that doesn't sound great. No. But actually yeah. down the line, it's like, I'm going to LA, it's going to be $200, but I'm going to meet this art director and this yeah. person and this person and this person. And that's yeah. actually going to lead me to tens of thousands down the line. Yes. So you kind of have to really embrace, especially when, I mean, even now, like there's still things that I'll do, you know, if it's, you know, a really cool celebrity or if it's mm-hmm. this and I'm still getting paid a decent amount, but let's say the flights are too expensive or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's definitely worth doing stuff like that, you know, um, because, and also you learn so much, like mm-hmm. every job you do, especially if you've, you know, one time I had a job, um, I had a three day job in LA and then a one day job in San Francisco and then a two day job in New York. And I, flew overnight each time so I did not sleep in a bed for like so long but like you know and I could have just said no and been like oh this seems stressful but instead I was like you know what I'm not gonna die 
the flights are going to be there. I'm going to be able to sleep in a week, like, after it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it'll be fun. Like, each job was really cool. Like, okay. the one in New York was for Vogue was for LUSA and stuff and I was like I need to do it and yeah so I think educated risk is definitely a good um good shout thank you so much that is so helpful and where can everyone come and find you and follow you online so on Instagram I am Hannah Hillier photography Mm -hmm. um so that's Hannah without the H on the end. Yeah, I'll <laughs> add all the links. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And then on Instagram, on YouTube, sorry, I am um, beauty photographer vlogs, and my YouTube's a bit of a mess right now. But I'm trying to sort it out and try to have more like vlogs and stuff on there, mm. um, and more useful tips and stuff like that. Yeah. Thank you, Thank so, you so, so much, much. Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute honour. I've loved it. Thank you. So there you go. That is the final episode of season three. Thank you so much for tuning in repeatedly to this season. It has been a whirlwind. I feel like a lot has changed in a very short space of time. We started off the season with me still living in Cornwall just coming out of the lockdown ever so slightly to now I live just outside of London and the pandemic is still a thing. We're still having to deal with coronavirus, but the industry does seem to be retaking shape and I can tell that things are getting better. So at least that's what I'm going to remain hopeful about. Um, Thank you again so much for listening. I will be back very soon with another season of the podcast. If you've enjoyed this season and you think that you know someone else who would also enjoy listening to it, then please let them know about it. Word of mouth marketing, as we all know, is the best form of marketing. So if you can send this over to someone you think would enjoy it, I would appreciate it so much. Have a lovely rest of your week and I will see you very soon.